Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, let's get you ready for a big showdown between familiar foes. It's Brett Bielma and the Fighting Illini against Ryan Walters and Purdue. 2.30 kickoff, Central Time, in West Lafayette, Indiana. Illinois against Purdue as the mentor takes on the mentee. The first time that Brett Bielma and Ryan Walters will take on each other. So, of course, there's big storylines here. But there's a rivalry game at stake. And Illinois has not had the Canyon Trophy quite enough during the last two decades. So, we're going to get you ready for this game. Joy Wagner and I are going to get together for, I guess we'll call it the six-pack of questions. Heading into the Purdue game that we have about this team, we cover our biggest concerns, our biggest reasons for optimism going into this game. We talk about some of the personnel. We talk about the transfer quarterbacks for these two teams and what this game means for both teams. A big one uh, for both of them. So we will cover that. We're also going to get some insight, and that's coming up next, on Purdue and Ryan Walters' 1-3 and three start as head coach of the Boilermakers against a very, very tough schedule so far. For Purdue, we'll talk with Mick Walker, who covers the Boilers for Boiler Sports Report, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. So everything you need to know heading into Purdue against Illinois, it's all coming up here on the Illini Enquirer podcast, starting with Mick Walker, who covers Purdue for 24-7 Sports. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. If you're too busy to cook this fall but want to make sure you're eating well, with Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping prepping and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need factors fresh never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes all you have to do is heat up and enjoy then get back to crushing your goals this september get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door ready in just two minutes no prep no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 now and use code Illini50 to get 50% off. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off. 
All right, let's get some insight on Ryan Walters' Purdue program. For Mick Walter, covers Purdue Boilermakers for 24-7 Sports. Mick, let's start this off here. Uh, one and three against a really tough schedule. Purdue did not set up Ryan Walters for his first year with this tough schedule. Three Power Five teams, I believe, already. One win at Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech is is really struggling. So, uh, what have get us up to date? What are the vibes around Purdue after a one and three start? Yeah, I think I think the vibes would be a lot better if the defense was holding up. I mean, you look at the schedule and they gave up. Oh, they gave up 30 points, over 30 points, almost 40 in every loss that they've had. So Ryan Walters coming in, supposed to be this defensive guru with Kevin Kane, who has experience being a defensive coordinator and bringing in a lot of guys, even with a young coaching staff. So you'd have hope that you'd be able to put this coaching staff together and this defense will live up to what Ryan Walters has done in the past. And it, it just hasn't. I think that's the biggest disappointment is people were hoping, hey, we might not win all these games right away, but we might, it'd be close or be, we'd be able to keep the score and, we'd see improvement. And I just don't think fans are excited about that because they haven't seen that defensive improvement. I think uh, there's been some offensive struggles as well, especially in story artist situations. But I think overall, a lot of people are happy with Hudson Card. I mean, you could probably make the case that he's up there when it comes to the best transfer quarterbacks in the Big Ten. He just, he hasn't, the offensive line, the support system, the defense hasn't really set him up to pick up those wins the way that they would probably would have liked. What have been the big issues defensively? Because we saw Ryan Walters early in his Illinois tenure struggle a little bit, made some corrections, uh, and, and became one of the best defenses in the Big Ten the previous two seasons. So what has gone wrong through four games on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, it's a multitude of things. Early on, Preston State, they beat him, beat him over the head repeatedly with just slot slot receivers making plays deep down the field. So. This one, as you kind of, as the, since the same defense, you guys kind of know there's three safeties, and essentially one of those is kind of your cover safety. What Purdue had was two safeties that were experienced last year. They moved Sanusi Kane to be kind of that, that in the box, that secondary linebacker, that guy can, that can play in the box, and he's done well at that. You moved your other safety in Cam Allen, who's one of the all time leaders in interceptions for Purdue, and you moved him to be that kind of cover safety. And he's much more of a free safety, but I don't think they had the cover safety that they would have liked over cam so they moved a freshman in Dylan Thieneman who's been really good at that deep safety kind of that that that, 20, that guy that's 20 yards off the ball he's got 4-3 speed and he, he's come downhill hard he's done a great job at that but Cam Allen has not adjusted well to being that cover safety and at times um, he's been burned a lot but whether it's slot receivers for Fresno State Virginia Tech probably would have carved him up a little bit more if their starting slot receiver didn't get hurt uh, Syracuse doesn't have very many slot receivers and so that didn't come back to bite him but um, the past two games, it's really been that run defense. I think the defensive line has kind of gotten worn down. And um, as you kind of know, and I saw I saw you talk about uh, tweet about it in one of the great games for Illinois. But having this one linebacker on the field for most times, it presents a big struggle, especially in that and run games and run downs. Because once you get through that first level, of the defense is that one linebacker, and if he's washed up, then it's that twenty yard safety that's got to come up and now make it at least a ten yard gain, if not busted to the house. So. They already had unathletic and somewhat athletically limited linebackers to start with, and now that they're having to play those guys one person on the field, I mean, uh, Fresno State uh, pretty much put a wide receiver in for their game-winning touchdown. They put a wide receiver in the backfield, motioned about, and made a linebacker guard a wide receiver, and it was it was an easy seven for them. So just linebackers having limited linebackers, uh, a slot not being able to defend the slot, so this could be a big Isaiah Williams game, as I imagine we'll get into, and then the defensive line kind of wearing down. All three have been just building up because the past two games it's been run the first couple of games they were getting torn apart by the past so it's been a multitude of things 
Yeah, I, I watched Cam Allen in that. So, I mean, Cam Allen's a really good player, and he seems to be really struggling in that. Isaiah Williams might be an opportunity for him there. I do look at, at Kevin Kane did a really good job with the outside linebackers at Illinois. And Nick Skirton, formerly Nick Carraway, uh, is a really physically impressive player. Kydron Jenkins, a little bit different looking, uh, maybe unorthodox for an outside linebacker, 6'1", 260, kind of squatty. But he's a pretty good player, too. Uh, but it is interesting. Syracuse and Garrett Schrader just tearing them up with the quarterback run. Tanner Mordecai with some big opportunities with the quarterback run. So with Luke Altmaier, who's been a really good runner, what is the key for them in containing that quarterback run? Yeah, I think you have to have that front five win because like we talked about, quarterback runs naturally – you bring in, you have that front five, which gets taken up by, you pretty much have one-on-ones all around. So if your offensive line can win those one-on-ones, you bring this in with Garrett Schrader or Luke Almar, any quarterback's going to run. Then you add that linebacker and the running back matchup in. So if your running back can get any chip or any, or even if the offensive line can get up to the linebacker, you're looking at nobody really even within the box that's able to stop this quarterback until, like we said, that deep safety. And if for some reason the deep safety reads a pass or if they're, they're running around to kind of run the safety off, you're looking at just wide open grass down on the field. So I think just being able to contain Luke Omar comes in, you know, you have to have Cole Brevard, the nose tackle, Isaiah Nichols, Jeffrey Embaugh. A lot of these guys they brought in, and Malik, uh, Malik uh, Langham from Vanderbilt, a lot of these transfers they brought in to play in these front three defensive line spots, you have to have them win. And I don't think they did that against Wisconsin. I don't think they were able to do that against Syracuse. And they found gaps. Syracuse did a good job of kind of layering the run game and layering different things in that kept them off pace. But this defensive line, interior-wise, is not – been what it looked like it could have been against Syracuse or against uh, Fresno State and Virginia Tech. All right, let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Illinois obviously recruited Hudson Card pretty hard. Uh, Purdue able to get him away. When I watched the film at Texas, I really liked what I saw. And it, and outside of of maybe you know the game against Syracuse where he had all those turnovers, Hudson Card just looked like what I thought Hudson Card would be—a dual threat playmaker. What have you seen from him? What has he brought to that Purdue offense that? Traditionally, uh, under Jeff Brown, had all those pocket passers. Yeah, I, I, obviously, I, I think there's some calls for even I and I pointed out myself. I think there's some where Hudson Card could use the athletic system he has more, but really, I think Hudson Card has brought just kind of a steadying presence, a guy that, like you said, in, uh, besides the Syracuse game, they had, up until that game they hadn't had a turnover in a game yet. I think he's a guy that does pretty well with the ball, controls the game well, and it fits in with the with the smooth throwing motion, quick release, all that in this Graham Harrow area type of system. I think they've been able to get guys open, uh, whether it's Deion Burks or Adir Rahim or Yassim, and then you got Max Clare at tight end. they got a handful of guys that can get open, and Hudson Carr's just done a good job of being able to get the ball to them and let, the, let his playmakers get play, make plays, really. He hasn't hasn't had to take a lot of deep shots and be a hero, play hero ball in the times where the offenses look good. It's been schemed-up shots that have hit, and but then you look at some of the games like Syracuse or Wisconsin, you, you have schemed-up shots that don't hit, and, that, and I think that ultimately is kind of – to the detriment of Hudson Guard. You have a new offense coordinator, Purdue, in Graham Harrell bringing that air raid style. How is it different than what Jeff Brom did offensively? Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, they, the, even though it's an air raid, they probably run the ball just as much, if not more, than Jeff Brom would have. I think they've had success with that. And it it, it did take a step up last week because they got Gus Hartwig, who's, a, I believe it's the Heartland, is the center awarder. Some Heartland or another one of those, whatever the center, major center award, he was on that watch list to be, or Outland or something like that. He was on the watch list to be on as that after starting and being one of the better centers in the Big Ten last year. They got him back after a knee injury late in the season last year, and he 
he looked good in week one again uh, in this past week against Wisconsin. So he's kind of helped in that run game and kind of been able to open up the tackles. Uh, really, tackles and guards are very well in pass protection. It's it's the run game really that they've struggled to be able to move people off the ball. But this the Graham Harrow, uh, oh, I think overall the success of Graham Harrow's offense has been good so far. It's been like we can get into it probably later, but or right now, but short yardage situation is expected. I think Purdue in third and one and fourth and one is very has a very low percentage of converting and they've tried just about everything whether it's short, running right up the middle behind your center and your guards outside passes quarterback keeps they've done about just about everything and nothing has worked it's been one of the things that's plagued them the most because you're settling for a fourth down deep you're failing to convert fourth down deep in your end zone you're not getting three or seven and then the other team's getting the ball right back Illinois is concerned about the running backs at Purdue. I don't know the last time a, a coach was talking about that. Maybe Raheem Mostert was, was part of Purdue. Um, so what did Tyrone Tracy, who stepped up the last couple games, Devin Mockaby, we all got to know last year. What a great story as a walk-on. Ryan Walters giving him the scholarship. What is about that duo that's been good? Yeah, I think Tracy especially has just really seen the ball well. I believe he's probably the only player on the team that scored a touchdown every single game that Purdue's played. He's played really well found some running lanes and had success. Devin Mockby also has had his moments as well. A couple of big runs in Virginia Tech and looked good against uh, Fresno State. But the thing is, Devin Mockby, he's, he's not the biggest guy. He runs runs strong, but I don't know. He's not the biggest guy. And then he was he's a very big contributing factor to a lot of those fumbles and turnovers against Syracuse, which I think made his carries kind of get cut down against uh, Wisconsin, along with Tyrone Tracy being uh, talented. But, I mean, they, they both are – they both are explosive guys that can rip off, you know, those 10 to 15 yard runs. They can, they have good vision, especially Tracy. He's looked very good in his transition um, from wide, uh, slot receiver, wide receiver to uh, running back this offseason. I think he's just, I think that was more of his natural position. Um, the Purdue running back coach knows him because he recruited his brother to Miami, Ohio, and he recruited Tyrone to Miami, Ohio. So there's a relationship there. I think he's just kind of fit in with this coaching staff and found success. Uh, the talent, use the talent he's always had to find success on the field. Wide receiver has been strength for Purdue for so long, uh, and, and Charlie Jones no longer there, doing pretty well for the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, what have you seen from this wide receiver group? Because what I've seen looks like it's still a strength of the team. Yeah, I mean, when Deion Burks is on and you're getting those shots to him, he can be maybe the best wide receiver in the Big Ten West. If I'm if I'm forgetting somebody, I, I, I forget forgive me. But I think he's got the explosiveness and the dynamic ability to be up there with like an Isaiah Williams, uh, Nico Reggini from Iowa. Some of these guys that are, have been very successful for a while. He's explosive and he's somebody that they moved out wide after having him in the slot for most of the time because they had TJ Sheffield who's also in the slot. He's a steady guy. Abdiri Rahim, Rahim Yassim, I believe is how you say it. He's been a steady guy as well. He had a big game against Syracuse and just racking up yards and again uh, Max Clare the tight end is somebody that they really liked um, ever since they got there and he's been involved with a with a lot of plays when it comes to just run blocking pass blocking but also I mean he's been a big yards after the catch guy getting him in he's been able to run down the field so they have a, a plethora of talented pass catchers and it all starts with Deion Burks who uh, according to Ryan Walters is probably the biggest athletic freak on the team offensive line for Purdue might face its biggest test of the year uh, this week against Illinois. Illinois' defensive front struggled a little bit against these dual-threat quarterbacks, so that'll be a big key, especially for those outside linebackers. But uh, what is the state of the offensive line for Purdue? Yeah, I think pass protection-wise, they feel good. Obviously, you don't face a Johnny Newton or a Keith Randolph all the time, so that that is certainly something that will challenge them. Both guards are guys that transferred up from group of five levels to power five levels and have 
struggled at times. Like I said, I don't think anybody in this offensive line necessarily excels when it comes to moving people off the ball in the run game. So that'll be interesting to watch. Illinois should be able to kind of control the line of scrimmage in those rundowns unless uh, Gus Hartwig is kind of just able to slide in after one game last last week and kind of take over and help this unit gel better. But tackle-wise, they moved their right guard from last year, Marcus Invo, out to right tackle. And he's probably been their best offensive lineman. Um, pass blocking, run blocking wise, he's done it all. Muhammad Musa, he's had his moments at left hockey. You, you see the flashes, but he's not necessarily there 100% yet. So it could be, be a, Illinois' front five and that those outside linebackers, and especially those two, uh, the law firm, those guys, they could come in and really wreck shop in this interior because you're, you're going against some guys that have some playing time but are also not used to playing. I mean, these are two NFL caliber guys, let alone Big Ten caliber guys. Before we get to the, the personal side of this matchup, which is, makes this more interesting, this rivalry game, uh, what does this game just mean for Purdue football? I mean, I, obviously, so this is game three or four. I can't limit Fresno State, you had Syracuse, Wisconsin. So game four at Ross A for Ryan Walters. Second game in the Big Ten. He has not won at home yet. He has not won a Big Ten game yet. So those two things, I think, obviously, he'd love to check off the box. And I think he said as much earlier in his press conference. It's like, hey, it's just – it's not. It can't even be about me beating Illinois. It has to be about winning in Ross A. It has to be winning a Big Ten game before we can get even, even get into that. And I mean, it, they've had some good recruiting weekends. You've been able to get a lot of guys on campus, but it, it obviously it sucks when coaches don't want to talk, or it's hard to accommodate when everybody's losing. And I mean, they're they're bringing a couple guys. Um, Andre Lovett from Illinois. He's going to be down. Mc, Michael McDonough, who I believe you saw last week, and he'll also be down. So that. They did a good, Luke Williams also been in the building who I imagine uh, if Illinois fans if Illinois wins this your your boards will be asking about but he'll be in the stands to watch this as well. I mean they, they're going to bring some guys in from Illinois to try and uh, recruit so it's it's a big overall setting just to kind of be able to prove that Ryan Walters can succeed in the Big Ten that this this is a place where he was deserving to be. I think that can kind of start right here against Illinois. There is a personal side of this, right? Uh, Aaron Henry, I, I thought. I thought he was great yesterday when he was asked about Ryan, just talking about how much Ryan means to him, how much he still loves that guy. Like they are, they're still boys and talking with Ryan at big 10 media days, myself with Joey, like Ryan really appreciates his time at Illinois, all of that. But going to Purdue gives you this element where there's been some recruiting battles that, that those get personal, even if it's business, right, Mick? So um, what, what do you make of the personal side of this with Kevin Kane, Corey Patterson, Grant O'Brien, Joe Deneen, countless Preston Gordon, um, Pete Rowley, uh, seven guys from that Purdue staff who were on uh, the Illinois staff last year. Yeah, I think if you went into the season looking at the schedule, I imagine if Ryan Walters took the red Sharpie on circled one game and said, I want to get this one, I imagine it would have been Illinois. Just because I, I think him and Brett Bielema have a good working relationship. They enjoy working together. But when you when you leave, obviously, it's a different element. I, I think Brett Bielema probably in the Illinois fan base appreciates everything Ryan did while he was there. But now he's a couple hours down the road and they want him to lose on yeah. Saturday. So it's as simple as that. And it'll be interesting. I think Kevin Camp will talk tomorrow to the media to hear him kind of answer some questions on it. But they're trying to make it as much of a regular game as possible. But, I mean, I was on the field at, at camp this summer when they won the Luke Williams recruiting battle. And I think they had some things that, whether it's tweeting about things and, and just subtweeting like they, they got into over the summer that they wanted to say, but they, they held back and so they could get it on the field and prove it to against Illinois because they want to be able to have the players back it up, this team back it up. So it could get interesting and the, the environments of thing could be overall just fun to watch after whoever wins this or how, how this game goes on Saturday. 
Brett Bielma has not beaten Purdue yet at Illinois. He swept him when he was at Wisconsin. I mean, it's been a long time since Purdue beat Wisconsin. But uh, this is a big game for Illinois for their bowl eligibility, for feeling good about the Big Ten West where people thought coming into the season they could be a contender. So means a bunch uh, for, for both of these teams. So for you, Mick, what is the key to Purdue winning their first home game and beating this Illinois team? Yeah, it's similar. I imagine I'll write about this when I get you your questions back for the Know the Foe segment. Yeah. But it's really, if Purdue wants to win this game, they have to have a Big Ten win in the line of scrimmage. You have to have this offensive line be able to move people off the ball and limit Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph as much as they can. You have to have this defensive line force Luke Altmaier to beat him, which they weren't able to really do last week against Tanner Mordecai. They were, I mean, Braylon Allen ran wild, Ches Malusi ran wild until he got hurt and even. Tanner Mordecai had a good game on the ground. So this team has to be able to force the quarterbacks to beat him because I think they have a talented secondary. I think they have a, a good safety group, a good cornerback pairing that they added in transfers. But this, they do not have the ability to just continue to line up and win consistently. If they can't win consistently in the line of scrimmage, it could be a long day. And like you said, if this game comes down to really whoever loses this, you guys cannot sit down here and look at the schedule and try and plan out wins. If you lose this game, Whoever loses the game really is not going bowling because you can't find games on the schedule left without winning this one to kind of get the six wins. Especially for Purdue. Uh, I look at this this October after Illinois. You got Illinois at home at Iowa. No matter what you think of Iowa, that, that's a tough place to win with their defense and special teams. Home against Ohio State at Nebraska, winnable, but then at Michigan. So what does this year one mean for Ryan Walters, given the schedule that he's in? But, I mean, he took over – the Big Ten West champion took over Jeff Brom. I mean, that's the hard part of, you know, he kind of took over a rebuild, but he took over a place where they're used to winning. So what's this year mean for him year one? Uh, I think obviously the goal with any really Big Ten West program, considering what's on the East, is to get to a bowl game, get to that Big Ten championship game, especially with this being the last year of those conferences. Um, and I think that was kind of what you enter, the goal, the, enter with in the mind because that gives you – for this coaching staff another week to coach these guys up another year another few weeks to build that culture and, and when things go bad obviously when you're bringing a lot of transfers in it's easy for that to fall apart and crack so i think big tent getting the uh, a bowl game was obviously the goal and like you said uh, you look at this you got ohio state and michigan on the schedule so those are pretty much two losses you got one now so you need illinois and you're hoping at the end when you look at northwestern who even who beat minnesota last week so you're looking at northwestern indiana you're hoping are two so that brings you to three, and then you need to pretty much be able to beat Iowa, Illinois, and Nebraska or Minnesota along those lines. You have to play very well in the Big Ten West to be able to get to a bowl game, and I think that's kind of the goal and hope. And, yeah, this the, I mean, you look at it, three Power 5 teams, non-conference, and I believe Fresno State is actually the only team of those of the four teams they played already that are ranked. I think Fresno State's in the AP Top 25, and I was just double-checking. I don't think it actually gets any easier next year either. I think they have Notre Dame. So whoever has been – a setting up Purdue's non-conference schedule has not been uh, too kind of them. Yeah, you got uh, Notre Dame, Oregon State, and at least this year, next year they have a Indiana State and an FCS program. But, I mean, we'll, I was looking at we'll be talking, says in week four next year. So they'll yeah. be lining up for Illinois to kick off Big, Big Ten Conference play. Illinois and Purdue need to be smarter with their uh, non-conference opponents. They have not scheduled those too well. Well, Mick Walker, I, Purdue fans have showed up, man. It's been a cool atmosphere. It's been one of the better, more underrated atmospheres, I think, in the Big Ten here recently, and a huge game uh, that I think is going to be a close one. So looking forward to, to seeing you on Saturday. I'll see you there, man. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you. 
want to take a minute and tell you about Homefield. They are a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection over 150 plus colleges to choose from, including, of course, the University of Illinois. Homefield designs are super unique, guys, because they delve into the archives and history of each school, including Illinois, and these unique logos and iconic moments create thoughtfully designed apparel. So if you go to homefieldapparel.com, you can see the 80s Illini football helmet that so many of you like, flying Illini logo, the Illinois basketball logo from the 2004-2005 Illini team. The script Illini is there. And you guys, these are the most comfortable shirts. And that's what I love about Homefield Apparel. You get the comfort, but you also get authenticity and nostalgia. So I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical Illinois gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their collection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners at Illini Inquire get 15% off their first order with discount code Illini23. Again, 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com with discount code Illini23. So, as you go to Illinois football games, get ready for the Illinois basketball season, Homefield Apparel is the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So, check them out at homefieldapparel.com. All right, it's time to catch up on the Illini side of this huge matchup between Illinois and Purdue with Joey Wagner. Joey, you got any thoughts on the Dame trade um, before we, we dive into this? It's breaking just as we're recording this. I have no thoughts because I don't have a lot of time to consume the NBA, especially when the Bulls are not very good. Yeah, uh, understandable. Uh, what's it like to have a, a team, football team with a coach? That's that's it good as cool. Yeah, okay. It's cool. I, I know that's been a point of contention for you this week. Things don't seem to be going very good. Nope. Already updating the tankathon for my Bears, which is uh, giving me a little bit of hope here, Joey. Thinking about Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. But that's where I'm at with, with my sports franchise. It's amazing that the Bears uh, make the White Sox look a little more competent. That, that's where I'm at in my, in my sports fandom. Can you update your tankathon to like a coach, front office, competency that starts higher up than on the field? At this point, just keep Eberflus so we keep tanking. That's what I would say at this point. Most important until, until the offseason. Yes, until you the don't dare want to see him back. No, see, I, I gave him Joey. I gave him like last year. I'm like, I have no thoughts. I have no opinion. I'm at Eberflus. I got an opinion now. I've really got an opinion. Oh, man. I would like to – I got some thoughts. I'd like to hear Jimmy Warren to have some thoughts. My, my thoughts? Are, what are you good at? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing for Justin Fields not to be working, and that's on you and your offensive coordinator. Uh, Justin Fields, though, uh, losing my confidence. Maybe he'll go to Atlanta or something and be better. But, um, yeah, like you're supposed to have a good defense. I, I've seen enough cover, too, in my life of watching the Bears, Illinois football, struggle to run that. Uh, I'm done with it. And uh, I thought he was supposed – like when you hire a defensive guy in the era of offense, Joey, like you're a franchise. You you got an offensive guy for a, a good quarterback and, and a young quarterback, and it works out, right? We hire Matt Nagy. It doesn't work out. But then we get a defensive guy. You got to be a good CEO. You got to keep things tight. We have a defensive coordinator who gets uh, resigns three games into the season. We uh, have a coaching problem. We have players speaking out against the coaching staff. Only the Bears. Only the Bears seem to do this stuff, Joey. Only. We're losing them, Jeremy. Illinois, Purdue, Saturday. <laughs> yes. All right, so I got that off my chest. We got six questions to get you ready for Illinois, Purdue. And, of course, there's the juicy storyline of Ryan Walters 
the uh, apprentice against his former boss and mentor, Brett Bielma. Ryan Walters, I think you and I can like. I think we're in the same opinion. Did amazing things here at Illinois. Uh, he was good. He was great at what he did. He was good for us in the media. And, and we were happy he got a, a Power 5 coaching job. And I think everybody in that Illinois football building was happy he got that uh, got a job. But it was that job. Um, so it certainly has added a storyline. But my question number one for you, Joey, is does this game mean more for Illinois or Purdue? That's a good question. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Because if you look at Purdue, like one and four – 0-3 at home. That feels weird. Uh, but I don't know what reasonable expectations would have been for Purdue coming into this season. I think if Illinois falls to 2-3, and three, you lose one of those toss-up games that you would have hoped would have fallen your way. And then you start, and combined with what the eye test has looked like for the better part of four weeks, you start to maybe, you know, maybe your palms are a little sweaty at some point. Knees weak. Nope, 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 nope. Stop. Stop that. I knew you were going to, uh, but maybe you start to fret. So I think for Illinois, this is one just uh it's probably bigger for Illinois because I think there's still like a reasonable chance this team, as you look around the West, could could make some noise in the West. And I think this is such a winnable part of their schedule with FAU, Purdue, and Nebraska and a chance to really make ground towards a bowl game. I think Illinois, but I also I think we have to point out that like if Purdue goes to one and four, they start might start to get a little restless over there. That's where I'm at. Like, listen, I, I think there's a huge game for both teams. It's a huge game, I think, emotionally for both these teams. But if I'm just looking at this season, it's more important for Purdue. They're 0-3 at home, Joey. They've lost three games to Fresno State, Syracuse, and Wisconsin at home. That's not an easy schedule. Fresno State is is ranked right now. But they need to win some home games. And if you're Ryan Walters – a first year does matter when it comes to long term of your program, and he was not helped out with his schedule. But this is a home game where you are favored, at least as of right now. I think one point uh, was the latest. But coming up, Joey, they go to Iowa next week. I don't see Purdue winning that game. Um, I, I know Iowa <laughs> struggles to score points. If Hudson Card has a good game, maybe they could do it. You're going to be a big underdog in that game. Then you host Ohio State. I know Purdue has their history of beating Ohio State. I don't see it in this one. You go to Nebraska, and then you have Michigan at home, or Michigan on the road, and Minnesota uh, comes to, to West Lafayette. You end the season with Northwestern Indiana. If Purdue wants to make a bowl game this year, I think they have to beat Illinois. Um, so I, I think Illinois, if they lose this game, it's certainly one that puts them behind the eight ball, but I feel like they have enough winnable games, more home games. This is on the road. It's a huge game for both teams. If I'm just looking at getting to a bowl game for Purdue, this feels necessary for Illinois it feels like this would be a huge one if they if they win this one I feel like Illinois is definitely gonna make a bowl game maybe they could be in Big Ten West contention I don't think Purdue's gonna be in Big Ten West contention mostly because of their schedule and of what I've seen but man a one and four start to the Ryan Walters era this feels like this feels like a, a big one for them not that like he can't come back from it but just for this season and to to get some momentum feel like you you want this one i think it'd, it'd obviously be a huge feather in his cap if he could beat his old boss yeah i don't disagree with any of that at all um for, for everything you mentioned but kind of the way illinois packaged this season to us and, and the way that they spoke about it themselves just like I, I think from the outside looking in getting to a bowl game should be what illinois football strives to do every single year because that's not been a consistent benchmark this program's hit yeah. but that's not the way this was really packaged 
to us this year. So like, the, the way this was packaged, the way this was thought of, the way this kind of played out was a team that felt like it was it dropped its chance to win the West a year ago, and a team that wanted to turn around and, and build on last year and win that thing this year. And Brett, Be- in the final season of the West, we've heard Brett Bielma is tied to the origins of Big Ten football um, yeah. since, since the off season. So I think like that's what's different for me is you lose this game you're owned to in the Big Ten. And it's like you're not winning. The it's West. not impossible. You're right. Not, yeah. Right. So. Like, if you look at it through just a bowl game, sure, you look at Purdue and Ryan Walters, and but if you look at it through what they, they kind of set this hope to be and the outward confidence that they expressed all offseason, this is a big one if you want to go to Indy, man. Yeah, you probably got to go, what, 5-1 and one to win the West in the West, right? Because you already are 0-1 against Penn State, which is not a surprise. But then you have Indiana and Maryland. I think Maryland's going to be a really tough one. So I think you at least got to go 5-1 and one against the West. And I think Iowa – is is the toughest game uh, in the West for Illinois. One's on the road at Minnesota is not going to be easy, uh, but then you have you know Nebraska at home. Um, so I, Northwestern you should definitely beat. Like I, I think those are those are the ones you got to win. This one, it's that big toss up. I, I think there's a big swing game for that. But I'm if I'm just looking at bowls, yeah, I think I think for Purdue. But it's a huge game for both teams, that. yeah, and that's what's that. that's what's fun. And I think. The other thing here is, you know, we can talk all about Brett Bielma against Ryan Walters, and it's definitely a storyline, but Brett Bielma hasn't beaten Purdue yet at Illinois, right? And, and they've both been really crushing losses when you think about it. Illinois has a fourth-quarter lead going into that final drive. Illinois punts in Purdue territory at West Lafayette two years ago, and Purdue goes down and scores against Ryan Walters' defense, lose 13-9 to in that game. It's part of the reason Tony Peterson was fired. But that was a stinger. That could have gotten you a bowl game in your first year. And you lost all those practices. You lost some of that recruiting cell. And then last year, you beat Purdue. You win the West. You would have played in the Big Ten Championship game if you would have beaten Purdue. And you lost them. That opens the door for the Boilermakers who end up winning the West. And, and what a big t- deal that was for their program. I This is a big one. you got to get that one off the, off the list. He's beaten, what, every other West team, I believe, except for Purdue, I think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, look, the, you you would have gone to a bowl game, you would have won the West. Like, that's why these toss-up games, like, you can't just, like, on paper, Illinois versus Michigan was a quote-unquote bigger game last year, right? Because Michigan was Michigan. But the toss-up games are the ones that usually you go back in late December, early November, and say, well, that's probably the one. And in the last two years, Purdue has been the one. Uh, Michigan State also last year. But that's that's how it comes down to. Yeah. All right, question number two. Which transfer quarterback do you trust more, Hudson Card or Luke Altmaier? Both uh, Illinois showed interest, high interest in both these guys. Both these guys visited Illinois last December. Hudson Card chooses to go to Purdue in Illinois, goes and gets Luke Altmaier. Very similar numbers so far on the year. Uh, both those, both these guys can run, Joey. Both these guys have some arm talent. Both former top prospects. Both had one bad game uh, with turnovers. Hudson Card had four turnovers against Syracuse. Luke Altmaier, four against Penn State. This is very Spider-Man meme. Spider-Man meme, yeah. is it not? Um, I want to be like a homer if you say Luke Altmaier, but Luke Altmaier has an Isaiah Williams, and I trust a guy with an Isaiah Williams. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think that's what it boils down to me is, is, is Isaiah Williams is better than any playmaker Purdue has, and I trust a guy who can get him, that guy the ball. And let Isaiah Williams close any any mistakes you may or fix any mistakes, erase anything you might have. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's a bad take or not. You'll tell me. 
No, I, I think these quarterbacks, I was going to say Spider-Man meme. I, they feel like kind of the exact same thing. Hudson Card, a little shorter. He's got more experience. That's what I like about him. I think that's why you know, kind of probably was the first target for Illinois, but they were very similar guys, and I thought if Illinois got one of them, they would have felt good. But I think Purdue got a good one uh, in Hudson Card, and I think you know I've watched Tanner Mordecai, good player, but those three, I think there's a lot of similarities in that they can all play make, they can all make mistakes, they can all throw the ball down the field. Um, I was really impressed with Luke Altmaier's ability to bounce back, and I do think his running ability was even better than than I expected uh, coming in, and, and Purdue has really struggled to, to contain. Luke Altmaier, the one thing I will say, he had that strip sack fumble. He has held onto the ball better when he gets hit uh, than, than Hudson Card. Hudson Carr can stay in the pocket a little too long. Luke can as well sometimes. But um, he's had some real fumble issues at at points this year. So that is something to watch. But Hudson Carr's a playmaker. And uh, if he he decides to run a little bit, I I think you worry about that with your Illinois uh, outside linebackers and some of the safety issues they had earlier in the season and containing that quarterback. I, I don't really have an answer here. I might go Hudson Carr just because of some experience. But this is where you hope that Penn State experience actually pays off for Luke Altmaier, right? That like, all right, I know what not what not to do. When when I feel this pressure or I'm playing a good team, I'm playing a Big Ten team, uh, I feel like maybe that can help him a little bit going into this game because one thing about Luke is he hasn't learned from these experiences. He says, I'm still a young quarterback. I'm still, you know, what, five starts into this thing. Um, so I, I think both these guys are good. I, I think this was these guys were both big wins for both these programs, Joey. Yeah, I just I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something on card. He's turned the bar, ball over far less. I mean, he didn't. He had against. He's got three interceptions on the season, but he's got four fumbles. Like right. he's that's he's right. got a lot. He's got a lot of fumbles right. too. So yeah. I think he's lost three of them. Um, so against Syracuse, he had four turnovers. Yeah. yeah, one interception and, and three fumbles. He doesn't have that interception game. He's not going to throw the ball into harm's way as much as Luke Altmaier has so far this year. I will say that Penn State game has been the outlier, right? Um, He didn't throw any into dangerous positions against Ford Atlantic. He had one in each of the first two games that I put on him. The second one uh, against Kansas, I really didn't put on him because Pat Bryant bobbled it. But, yeah, I I think – Hudson Card is probably a little bit more trustworthy just because you've seen it more. You saw him play huge games at Texas. He's got more experience under his belt. So that's why I might give him a slight edge. I think it's why Illinois kind of went him first. See, let's let's go down the road with him first before we turn to Luke Altmaier. But both these guys are are good playmakers. Yeah, they are. It's um, Big Ten West got two really good quarterbacks on the transfer market. Three, you want to throw Tanner Mordecai yeah. in that mix. And that is perhaps a shift in the last year of the West that we thought we'd see. But for, for Illinois and Purdue, Jeff Bromless Purdue, right? Mm-hmm. To go out and land uh, two, you know, top level quarterbacks out of the portal is pretty telling. Yeah, the one for Iowa not working out. Don't know if that's him. <laughs> the offense coordinator, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Number three, which defensive contribution from last week is most repeatable for this week? The freshman, Zach Toby, three PBUs. Sabor Kareem, three PBUs in that dime and then a corner spot. Nicario Harper starting and playing pretty well, had the pick. And, or Kanena Odaluga playing the most reps at linebacker. What you got, Joey? I think I'm going to lean towards opportunity, and I think that lands with Nicario Harper yeah. because he just, by our read, he just beat Clayton Bush this week for the spot. I mean, Clayton Bush has started the first two weeks, and 
Kyra Harper is a guy who had a lot of talent coming in. He just had to be more trustworthy to the coaching staff. We had heard that on Monday where just kind of kind of heard what we expected or who we kind of suspected, I guess. Yeah. So I will, I'll take the guy who's, who's going to have the best opportunity to start. Right. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out the linebacker rotation. I I don't know that there's, I don't want to say not a lot of rhyme or reason, but we don't, it's harder to follow maybe some of that, just the way they try to rotate those guys. And I I would include James uh, Crutes in that conversation. Toby, a fully healthier corner. Where's he fit? And I think Kareem would have support. Kareem would have the second most opportunity because he's in that dime package. Mm -hmm. And we've seen, you know, you can do some stuff in that dime package. And that has traditionally been a pathway to the starting to a more, you know, non sub package starting role, especially against Purdue team that will throw four wideouts at you every once in a while. So it is something to watch going into Purdue. Uh, I don't expect Zach Toby to start this week. If, if Tyler strain and, and Taz Nicholson are good to go, but the fact that you have another option there, Joey, because let's be honest, Taz and, and Tyler Strain have had issues staying on the field for an entire game. Smaller guys, but they pack a punch, and sometimes uh, that ends up hurting them at times. Um, but the fact that you got a longer option, because Yassine, the wide receiver for Purdue, like Deion Burks is a really quick guy. I expect Xavier Scott to be on him a lot, Taz Nicholson to be on him a lot. But if you're struggling to contain a bigger physical wide receiver, maybe you can put Zach Toby in there uh, and really help you with that added length. So to have that depth that you feel like you can turn to, now he hasn't been tested by a Power 5 team yet, um, but I, I do think that's nice to have. I, I, I agree with you to answer the question. It's Dakario Harper because he's going to start. He's going to get the most reps out of all of these guys. Kanena Odaluga's emergence, though, as a potential weak side linebacker in place of Tariq Barnes last week was really interesting. Tariq Barnes... You know, not had a great year. Two-time team captain. I still expect him to start. I still expect uh, Tariq Barnes to play a big role on this team. But they have not gotten enough production out of their linebackers. And I thought Odaluga, albeit against Fort Atlantic, was really sound, physical, violent uh, in his run fits. I thought James Kurtz played pretty well at middle linebacker times. I thought Dylan Rosiak played pretty well at middle linebacker. But uh, the fact that Odaluga, they felt like they couldn't take off the field, was interesting. I think there's going to be more of a rotation at linebacker moving forward. But I will say it's Zachary Harper, and he's really important because that's Sidney Brown role on this defense, what we thought Matthew Bailey was going to be. He gives him a little bit more athleticism, I think explosiveness, and a little bit more physicality than Clayton Bush. So if he can emerge and be what they thought he was going to be, uh, I think it'd be really important development for this defense because safety is a position I'm still, I'm still iffy about. Like Miles Scott at the first pick six, and then – you know, he's been okay since then. I don't think he's made a lot of big plays. I think they need more big plays out of that safety group. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. That kind of got a sense of what it could have been when Matthew Bailey came back. But it's kind of the cards they were dealt. And you, you throw Demetrius, Demetrius Hill in there as well. So if they can get Nicario Harper, that was a Har- – Nicario Harper was an interesting addition in, in terms of his talent when they got him. And I, I think it's very clear the additions – that they added, Demetrius Hill, Clayton Bush, were in the sense that they were struggling to get that full trust in him. And it looks like, to his credit, he's found a way back to earn that. But getting him to the potential that you think he has is important for a safety group that, again, there's still some, some I don't knows about. 
Yeah. I'm very excited to announce a new partnership with Underdog Fantasy. We decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including their Pick'em game. In Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. You can more than 20 times your amount of money by going five for five. They also have a best ball mania. If you think you know football, you got to check this one out. This year's best ball mania has 50 million in total prizes up for grabs with the winner taking home 3 million. So sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. You must be 18 plus and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concern with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ncpgambling.org. All right, number four, which offensive performance is most repeatable this week? Josh McCray having a Josh McCray-like game. Aiden Lawfrey playing a role as maybe a speedier option or heavy tight end involvement in the passing game. The two big throws, one to Tip Ryman, one to Griffin Moore, and then Henry Boyer uh, with a big, 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 big late in the fourth quarter catch to to get a first down, had two catches in that game. So what do you think? Josh McCray, Aiden Lawfrey, heavy tight end involvement, which is most repeatable? I say, I, I just kind of should be a sucker for a good story here. Yeah. And Josh McCray, say Josh McCray, and he gets back to that first Purdue game that he had that he ran really, really well. And I, I, th- I thought last week he ran confidently in that second half, and that's just not a way that we've seen him run for a year and a half. Uh, so I think with him, if you can get that confidence, and I think Illinois not giving up on him when he was struggling. I mean, he was really, really fighting it out there. Minus two yards against Penn State. I know it's Florida Atlantic, and I understand all that goes into it, but I think just for him to feel that again, maybe that unlocks something. So maybe I, this might just be more of me going story time and story hope for when we're sitting in West Lafayette writing on Saturday. But I think him, because I think there's, again, opportunity – consistently will be there. I agree with you. I, I would say Josh McCray because I think they need it. And Purdue does not have a great linebacking core. Uh, and I think their interior offensive line, or defensive line has had some struggles this year. So I think they were counting on I mean, we know how Brett Bielma feels about Josh McCray. Like, I, I think he felt he would be the bell cow back here. We finally started to see it. And you saw the value of you know him being a closer in that fourth quarter. So if you have a lead... You need a back who can get those tough yards, move the chains, and man, Josh McCray was phenomenal on that four-minute drive. Uh, 60 yards in the fourth quarter on 10 touches, and it wasn't always blocked up well. Jay, Jay Lehman went over that in our film room. Uh, I do want to mention the, the tight ends here. I do think Aiden Lawfrey and Caden Fagan will get involved in some you know, sub-packages, you know, these might, little packages that they might have. But Isaiah Williams is obviously number one in yak yards after catch this year. Number two and three, Tip Ryman and Griffin Moore for Illinois. <laughs> I mean, those big plays against Florida Atlantic help that. I sure. know, but still. But they don't have a lot of catches either, which is, yeah, man. I think That's... they I think they need to continue. I, I thought Barry Lunny did a fantastic job of scheming his guys open sometimes. And, and those tight ends, a lot of people aren't looking for them, right? 
Um, so if they're gonna if they're gonna let those tight ends be in man on man coverage, you know, and you got some versatility where you can fake some blocks and then release. I love getting Tip Ryman out on those little RPOs. He just goes out in the flat and then he gets some yards. I think those are really good on first down. So uh, I think those guys continue to get involved because I do think number one, those guys got pretty good hands. I, I did not a lot of drops out of those guys, and I could tell Luke Altmaier trusts Griffin more. Like that, that is for sure. And Tip Ryman continues to evolve as a guy who's tough to bring down if you can get him into space a little bit. So the fact that Pat Bryant, Casey Washington struggling to get some separation, Malik Elsey's still young, uh, I, I do expect more 12 and 13 personnel, Joey, because it looked pretty good. And and I, I thought Henry Boyer added a lot in, as a blocker and then caught a couple big passes. So uh, I think the tight ends will continue to get involved. My number one would be Josh McCray, then the tight ends. Yeah, I'm with you because I think Lawford and Fagan have a combined like top end of 12 carries between them in a game that doesn't allow them to play the entire fourth quarter because it's gone so far one way. I, I, I also, Henry Boyer is so intriguing. I know you have been buying stock little at a time really since he committed. Now I think you're really going all in with your your mortgage and, and putting that in on him. Because I think he's a really good he, player. Yeah. He is, and I'm glad Barry Lonnie said exactly what we had been thinking for his use. Like He's a guy flat horizontal game let him get up field a little bit he's not if you're sending remember when michael scott was trying to figure out how to propose to jan and they said michael if you're in costume you've done it wrong (laughs) if you have like gasoline you've done it wrong if henry boyer is trying to get separation up the scene at this stage in his career you've probably done it wrong but using him in those horizontal games letting him making someone come up and tackle he's such a big frame maybe getting a block before you go out there like that is exactly what this team needs very Michael Marquise ish of him and I, I think he's really an intriguing option and maybe like an emergency outlet at times for Luke Altmaier as we've seen him under some pretty considerable pressure these first few games yeah guy who can give you chip help number five what is your biggest concern going into the Purdue game the offensive line until it isn't like I, I feel bad because like we're not exactly giving new information every time we talk about this so this isn't like Purdue does X so well that Illinois, you know, it's just this has not been a very efficient group through the first four games, particularly on the right side. Until it's not, until we have answers, like I don't know how my concern could be really anything else barring some season-ending injury or some injury question mark that you would have going into a game, and that doesn't exist right now. So it's offensive line, and they, I will think they would tell you they probably not played up to the way that they believe they can play, they believe they should play, uh, so until that changes, like that's got to be my stock answer for a while. No, it's it's definitely. I, I, I got two concerns uh, out of this game, and, and number one is definitely the offensive line because Purdue has two really good edge rushers. Nick Scorton looks like a f- former four-star prospect, and he was uh, out of Texas. He's really good, can be a little inconsistent um, with his effort and things like that, but he's really good and in one-on-one battles against – you know, what your tackles have looked like, what your pass pro has looked like. Illinois could struggle. And then Lydron Jenkins is like 6'1", 260. Kind of looks like Angelo McCollum build. Like, he doesn't look like he should be an outside linebacker. But he's really good. He's leading the Big Ten in tackles for loss and sacks right now. So, going up against your group, which has struggled to pass protect, I think Luke Altmaier shares some of the blame for some of those. Some of them. Not, not all of them. But uh, I do think he can get the ball out quicker. But... Zach Chrysler's been rough. 
he's been rough at, at right guard. And, you know, I think Adams got a little bit better at right tackle. He gave up some plays. He's not great out there. He's a better guard, but he is their best guy at right tackle. I think they need to get some more guys in at right guard um, because if Zai Chrysler is not going to be consistent, you see these flashes, Joey, where he is dominant. Uh, but it seems like later in the games, he, he starts to struggle more and more with his technique. And, and for me, sometimes it's just awareness, like picking up stunts, picking up blitzes. Like he's just not very consistent. So I'd like to see Hunter Whitenack a little bit at, at guard. I, if you're pass pro, if you need to come from behind and you got to pass a little bit more, I'd like to see more Jordan Slaughter because I feel like he's more consistent. I think that can help Isaiah Adams. If you have somebody he can trust a little bit more and, and communicates and is more aware. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see what they do at right guard because that has been their biggest problem the last two weeks. Uh, but Adams has to get better. I think Pearl can be more consistent. But I thought Pearl and, and Geske and Krutz played pretty well last game. Uh, but that right side needs to be shored up, and especially guard for me. Yeah, I think we should talk about just maybe some options on the right side because I, we agree that Isaiah Adams is a better guard. Problem is, if you move him to, let's say, back to left guard next to Julian Pearl and, and Geske back over to right guard, now, now you don't have maybe not a right guard problem, but a right tackle problem. Right, so you you've got to piecemeal this together in whichever way you can, and it seems to us that just well, judging by what we've seen, that's Adams at right tackle, and you figure out right guard, and there's probably more options right at right guard, whether it's Zach Chrysler or Hunter Whitenack or Jordan Slaughter or Zach Barlev. Those guys don't really have tackle versatility that we've seen, really that we we think to be true. So you're kind of this is kind of it, right? Yeah. Your, your right tackle. Best option right now is Isaiah Adams. Yeah, and I've, I've heard some fans, and understandably so, say just put Adams back at left guard but in, in Pearl on that left side, have a dominant left side, and figure it out. Just throw somebody in at right tackle, whether it's Whitenack or Brandon Henderson. They do not seem to think that is a good – like that That would be better for this team. It's It should be easier to hide a guard. It should be. It hasn't been. It just hasn't been so far. So they need Chrysler to be better, but they also – I think it's time – because I think you're trying to get last game, Joey. Chris was struggling, and they kept going with him. And you and I were kind of looking at each other, being like, "Why?" I think it was to try and get some chemistry, um, get some rhythm with that front five. But with the problems he had, even late in the game, of just some run blocks, of some missteps he had there, uh, and it's not just him. But I, I think it's time to to give some other guys an opportunity to see if they can run with it. Yeah, I think this will be the best chance this season. That to realistically see Hunter Whitenack. I think yeah. this, he's played well enough probably in practice and definitely in that very limited sample against Penn State that I think it's probably getting as close to as it's been all year to realistically seeing him out there. We'll see. I, I would expect it if, if, they, if we do see more of him. I don't expect a straight one-for-one. One. I would think there's going to be a rotation. Uh, Zy Chrysler seems to do better in rotation right yeah. now. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if that's that's a good point. That's, That's the other goes. side of it. Like, I think rotating helps Zy Chrysler. <laughs> he seems to play better when they rotate. Yeah, we wondered if last year's rotation was because of conditioning or just because of any of that, or if it was because they knew he was ultimately going to need surgery and you were just trying to buy as much time. I I think it probably is clear that rotating him is, is better for him. Let him stay fresh out there. We'll see. I mean, I, I thought we'd see more of that last week, and we didn't, Jeremy, but I – I think it's it's becoming clear to us that, and just the way they they talked about Hunter Whitenack, uh, that is probably getting closer 
to them. I, I feel like, I guess my, the best way to say it is, I feel like I this is the chance I think we'll go to West Lafayette, you and I, to cover it and think, well, we actually could see him yeah. like playing a lot of snaps this game. I just don't know that I was fully there last week. A few other concerns. Uh, your outside linebacker has got to be good this game. Uh, safeties and in-run support because Hudson Card can move. He can prolong plays. He's not Jalen Daniels, but uh, that, that's a concern. He, he can really beat you with his legs. Some of them you just got to tip your cap to, but those outside linebackers I think have to have their best game. We've seen flashes, Joey, uh, but if they're going to double Johnny Newton, like we saw Keith Randolph go off last game because of that, the outside linebackers need to do more of their part as well. Uh, I think the linebackers against the, these running backs, these running backs are good at Purdue. Um, linebackers got to continue to build off what they did last week. Uh, and Purdue's got some good wideouts. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for Illinois against Purdue's defense. Luke Altmeyer, uh, certainly we can talk about some of those strengths coming up. But the, those are the the concerns Purdue puts in you. Because if Deion Burks can get loose, uh, that, guy can, that guy can house it. Hudson Card's a really good player, and, and their running backs can make plays. Yeah, we should talk about the defensive front because Aaron Henry on Monday said, hey, we think we match up pretty well against them he didn't say it but you and i stepped off to the side to talk about how we were splitting everything up and we said so defensive front right mm-hmm. this i think Illinois should have advantage in the trenches with johnny newton with keith randolph we've seen denzel daxon play better but yes the outside linebackers that was all the rage right all the excitement in the off season and i understand i understand why i don't think any of it was unwarranted we just haven't necessarily seen that come to fruition and now you mix in again a quarterback who can get out there and move and that didn't go well those first two games now i don't know that he moves like those two guys right but he can move there's a difference between can move and can move effectively and i think he can do that well drew aller drew like, aller can move effectively a little bit but like hudson Carr can run like he, he's an right, actual right. runner he can beat you to an edge drew aller wasn't going to do that so that, that's how linebackers played really well against drew aller they're not gonna be able to tee off uh, like they were uh, against Penn State because like, Hudson Card can just prolong plays and make you miss. He, he's wiggling. He is. But I, I don't think he's Daquan Finn either. Correct. Who's very, very, very elusive with his feet. And I don't think he's Jalen Daniels who's very, very good on his feet. Uh, but he, it's a concern. And it's something that if you don't – if you play like you did in those first two games against a quarterback who can go out there and run, you it might be a tough one for you. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how all of that plays in against a quarterback – you got two. Yeah, really, I guess Nebraska bench Sims. Yeah. But you get to Maryland, you got another quarterback who can get out there and move. So they're not going away. You just got away from them for a little bit. All right, this is a sixth question. I guess we should call this like the six-pack or something, right? I guess that would be a title. Uh, what gives you the most confidence? Only if you provide a six-pack for this podcast. <laughs> Maybe Half hour, we can do it. But yeah, we do this segment while doing a six-pack. It's right got to be gone. Each of us have one. Got to be gone. Uh, what gives you the most confidence about Illinois going into the Purdue game, Joey? Ooh. I think you got a quarterback. I, I, <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know if that hesitation was a good thing. <laughs> no, it's not a bad thing. I just we, – we just talked about the defensive front. I think if you go, you're going into Purdue that has a quarterback who can win them games, right? You've got one too. I agree, and I think that is worth confidence that you've got a quarterback who can win you football games on the road. Yeah, no, I, Luke Altmaier was very high on my list. Like, I, I get the Penn State game was terrible. It, it's an outlier at this point. Now, this is a big test for him. His first Big Ten road start uh, against a, a defense that we know is built to make plays, right? 
but uh, it's a Purdue team that has not been good defensively and has really struggled to contain quarterbacks on the run. Uh, their nickel has really struggled, so I expect Isaiah Williams to have a really good game. Um, so I, I think this is a big opportunity for Luke Almeyer to sh- show what he's made of. You got calls going on. You got all that. Dude, I, I got like $15 <laughs> earbuds, and they stink. Anytime I touch them, there's some background noise that goes off. Anyway. I'm assuming I've got a pod pulled up. Go for it. Anyway, um, I, I think he's he's a strength. In three or four games, he's been a huge bright spot, and I agree with the way you term that. He can go win you a game. You have a quarterback who can go win you a game. He's got to make sure he doesn't make the huge mistakes, or at least not a lot of them, uh, so that he can continue to do that, especially on a, a tough road environment. My other one is, I think this defense figured it out, Joey. The last two weeks, this defense has been what we expected them to be. They gave up 30 points. Like they Right now, they're the second-worst scoring defense in the Big Ten. But Penn State, that wasn't on them. That was not on them. That was a good enough performance to win. I thought it was a winning performance by the defense. And then last week against FAU, just take out that final drive, which was concerning, but there were a lot of young guys on that field at that time. And I think this defense is going to give you a chance to win. So if you got a quarterback that you think can win a game and a defense that's going to give you a chance to win the game, I think that's a good start. And then if your offensive line can just improve a little bit, I think Illinois is the better team than Purdue. But they got to get out of their own way. They got to play a clean game, Joey. Penalties. Got to stop that crap. <laughs> they, just, they are hurting themselves so much with these penalties. Turnovers. Had two last week. Um, you know, Obviously, one on the strip sack. Luke held the ball too long. Got to protect a little bit better, but Luke held the ball too long. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, the Hank Beatty play, which tough, bang, bang. Is it on the play caller, maybe? I don't know. But like, that thing's probably, it's probably time to get rid of that play, right? Because it yes. came very similar. Um, remember, Indiana, that was Luke Ford, I guess. But it, it's probably about time to throw that one out for a minute. Yeah, it's just that part of the field. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it in within the 20-yard line. Uh, just just give it to Josh McCray. Let him pound it a little bit, get some breathing room. But, yeah, you just got to quit the turnovers, quit the penalties. Got to stop beating yourself. To, to win against Big Ten opponents, whether it's the sixth best team in the Big Ten West, whether it's the first best, the best team in the Big Ten West, you can't beat yourself. Um, they beat themselves against Penn State, in my opinion. And if they want to beat Purdue, they, they can't have all these penalties and turnovers. Yeah, I think that's like if you're an Illinois fan at all, like that's where maybe you would find some optimism. Like offensive line, fundamentally, I understand having some concerns about that. I, I totally get that. You want to talk about receivers getting separation. I understand that. Sometimes the personnel is the personnel. But the stuff that's really, really, really breaking them right now, the penalties, the turnovers, that's like that's correctable stuff. And I think that's like if you want to – I understand that's it, those things are discouraging to see and they should be because they're so correctable, but they are also so correctable. Um, will they correct it? I don't know. It's like yeah. you would have thought they would have done that before the fourth game or going into the fifth game that we shouldn't be having this discussion anymore, but we are. Uh, but I, this isn't like, okay, our, the, the quarterback's really bad or we can't stop the run or we can't stop. Like There are things that they do well, and, and these things, these core two or three things really bubble up and – and have cost them games or have really made things a lot closer than they should have been, that FAU game shouldn't have been six points. It just shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. You put that touchdown from Luke Altmeyer to Pat Bryan on the board, and it's a different game, right? So it's, it's entirely different. So, like, that's – if you're a fan, you would maybe see that and think, okay, it's it's not the worst, but you, like, you kind of got to get that going here and get that cleaned up pretty quickly. Getting a good start would probably help. 
instead of getting down 10 points at every game, that, that might help a little bit. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be down 10 at home to FAU. Yeah. It's a, take the points next time. Yeah, you get, you get a chance to score in the first I quarter. Like it, but I also root for just absolute chaos. It's like, it's all right, this will be fun. For this uh, team, if, I if, three. if yeah. this team gets in field goal range, I think they're probably going to kick the three this time. All right, uh, any leftovers you want to hit on before we get to our offensive and defensive pick-to-click? No, I just hope you start the pick-to-click so I can – Continue thinking. Start offensive for you. Uh, off- Who was last week? Who'd you pick? Last- we can't take Isaiah or Johnny, right? Yeah. Who'd you take last week? I think I took Reggie Love. I took Luke Altmaier. Remember? Oh yeah, I won that yes, one. You did. You did win that one. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Who'd we take defensively? Do you remember? Uh you took Taz, and I took Xavier Scott. You would probably win that one, even though Taz only played one half. He had two PBUs, and I thought he was fantastic when he played. All right, one All right, my offensive pick to click. I hate to be a prisoner of the moment. I'm going Josh McCray. I'm, I'm going Josh. I, I, I just, that was Josh McCray. And I think he needed a confidence booster. And this Purdue team, a little soft in the middle. A little soft in the middle on defense. Same. Defensive line, not that strong. Linebacker play, not that great. Uh, they had that linebacker the last couple of years that was really good. Jalen Graham uh, was really good. They had good outside linebackers, but uh, I think I think Josh McCray can can get some yards if he gets to the second level and the offensive line continues what it did a little bit later in the game. Uh, so I'm going to go Josh McCray. I think a, a tutty is certainly going to happen, and I'd love to see him get like 15 carries for 80-plus yards. I When we talked about him earlier in the repeatable, I thought this might be my pick to click because I like a good story. Yeah. And I think a good story is him finding himself at a place that he really kind of broke out on the scene um, in 2021. Can I give you, you a, write these write these down for the stories after the game, Jerry? Can I give you a hot take out. for a question? Like, who ends the season with the most rushing yards for Illinois? Is that still a debatable question? I said Josh McCray before the season. I'm sticking with it. I thought I took. I thought you took Reggie Love. I thought I took Josh McCray. I'm sure. I I, I know I've been on the McCray. Maybe we both. Well, and Reggie Love is so consistent. That's the thing. Like, he's no. going to give you 60 can yards we, every game. Can we write that down honestly, depending on what happened Saturday, to revisit that next week? Like, I, I would feel better about yeah. answering that, seeing what happens at Purdue. But I still think that's kind of an on the table question. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted to take McCray. I should have gone first. I knew it. I tried, and you stepped on me. Um, I'll take Luke Altmeyer. Because I think again, I know we're just going to keep trading running backs and quarterbacks. Oh, you should. Well, like, we can't take Isaiah Williams. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you want to take Isaiah, take Isaiah because he'll probably get no, ninety yards. Because again, I like a good story. So one trans, if they win and Luke Altmaier is to pick to click, then there's a good story there, okay. right? In, in terms of the transfer quarterback. Man, he was good last week. Really liked him. Uh, defensive pick to click. You can go first, Joey. Hmm. I'm going to go Nakario Harper. Hmm. I. I liked what we saw from him a week ago. I cannot take Johnny Newton. That's good. And I just, I, I don't know. I still need to see it from the linebackers. I need to see it, period, from the outside linebackers. Um, and I think Xavier Scott would be a candidate here, but that's a tough matchup. He's got a tough matchup again. I, I do think there's bounce back potential there. But I like Nicario Harper. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, maybe that's eight to ten tackles. Uh, if he can force a turnover. That, that would obviously be there, but I just I like what we saw from him. Man, they could really use some takeaways, so I'm really tempted to go like Miles Scott. Like, is this the game where maybe Hudson Card throws the ball downfield a little bit more and Miles Scott has more opportunities? 
I have no reason to pick this guy. Uh, I don't know why, but the last two weeks he's had a sack. We got one call back because of a penalty. It's time for Gay Backus. It's time. It's time for Gay Backus right. to to be that guy. So uh, I'm going Gabe. They they need a big performance from one of those outside linebackers to get to Hudson Card a few times. So I'll go. I'll go Gabe. Uh, I've seen some flashes the last couple of weeks that I've really liked, especially in the run game. Uh, but he's gotten to the quarterback twice uh, in the last weeks or last two games. So I'll go Gabe back is having a good game. The fun part about this rivalry is there's so many stories everywhere. You Like this is probably the easiest week of our job in terms of what we write after a game because there's so many stories. Like if Gabe back is clicks, yeah. He just the guy who recruited the heck out of him and, and Kevin Kane, one of the guys. Okay, if Illinois if Illinois wins, what is the subtweet? What is the subtweet from one of the staffers? Because I think there's gonna be some talking after we say one of the staffers like it's not gonna be Brady Yeah. Like, come on. Uh that's a good question. I don't know. Do you think he takes a – it's just good, forget it? It's going to be something with program, a program win, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just might a just little be subtle. a really a, a infused tweet from the main account. Like, I could, like, I don't know. Maybe they get the subtweet through the main one. It's, I, I think it's going to be – It's going to be very subtle, but it's going to be about – Tradition it, never dies or something. It's just going to be something about their, pro, their program. You know what I mean? Like, this is what our program does. Like this well, who, is this what, is a program not Oh, something about family. <laughs> <laughs> something about family. Um and I can guess an assistant that would tweet it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the, if, let's rank the Illinois coaches most likely to subtweet. Brett Bielma. And uh, <laughs> is probably one, two, and three on the list. Yes. I, I don't even know if another one would do it. I just think it's Brett Bielma. <laughs> Uh, it'd be, it be funny if it was just like someone just so random. Like it's just like Antonio Finales. <laughs> what was it there last year? Yeah. But he just throws it in. But yeah, if Purdue won, I think you'll get some mention of family. I think. I would think so. It's fun. Big win for our family or something like that. Something like that. Oh yeah, you could be a social media manager. Or if they got like two picks, oh, there'd be some flexing about their defense and their secondary. We produce is, NFL guys. This is fun. Honestly, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun for whoever wins it. And, and Illinois has not won this Cannon Trophy uh, enough. I think they've lost 11 of the last 14. Uh, last time they they won it was, what, the Monsoon Bowl 2019. Lovey Smith goes in there. Tony Adams, the quick pick six. Illinois could use something like that. Get some early confidence. Yeah, yeah I feel like they've got to get a takeaway. I mean, they're like – an early, early takeaway would be really, really big. All right, Joey. Uh, we'll see you in West Lafayette on uh, Saturday for a huge game. Um, I guess the seventh question here, how do I get Peacock? Uh, go go look it up. Illinois has got plenty about it. Um, but, yes, you have to buy Peacock, uh, the subscription, to be able to watch this game. This is what happens when you have a monster TV deal with NBC and the reason NBC is doing this game and not, say, Rutgers against Wagner, whoever they play, Close is, be- cousins, by the way. is because pe- they want people to buy Peacock, and uh, maybe enough Illinois and Purdue fans will do that. It's smart business, but yeah, it's passing on to the consumer, and uh, all these all these uh, 
streaming services we have to buy are basically just making the cable bundle look the exact same. Like it's the exact same thing. Yeah, I try not to think about it because they all come out of my account at different like seven dollar intervals. Right. So you don't have to really <laughs> death, death by a thousand paper it. cuts, yeah. The good news with Peacock is if you didn't understand my office reference from earlier, you can find your time to watch that later and understand the ridiculous. A lot of good stuff on Peacock, I've learned. Uh they got the scrubs on there. Love love Just the, the scrubs. The scrubs. Ah. Love the scrubs. <laughs> Uh, and I've been looking for this show. It's not a good time to bring it up because one of the actors is um, in jail. But uh, that 70 show is one of my favorite shows. That's mm. on there. Uh, so some good stuff on there. Some good movies. A lot of kids You've movies. You've been on a Parks and Rec kick? I have been on a Parks Brought and Rec. Brought to you by Peacock. Very good. Very if good. this whole thing doesn't work out, we could sell Peacock to about anybody. <laughs> sure. They do have a promo, I think. It's Big Ten Fan. If you want, if you want to get it, that's a promo code. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure they would enjoy your business. Joy Wagner, thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks to Joey Wagner and Mick Walker for getting us ready for Illinois and Purdue. And we will continue to do that at IlliniInquire.com. Caught up with a lot of the assistants. We'll catch up with Brett Bielma again on Thursday. Uh, but caught up with Bart Miller today about the offensive line issues. Uh, really was really good with us. Was really upfront uh, about some of the issues, some of his concerns that he has, and, and how they're going to go about addressing them. But also talked about some of the reasons he might have some optimism moving forward about his group. So uh, check that out coming up on the site. Joey Wagner caught up with Kenena Odaluga. I caught up with Sabor Kareem. of a story on Isaiah Williams, who has turned into one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. And, uh, of course, we've got a preview and picks. We'll have our staff score predictions up on the site by Thursday. So check that out at IlliniInquire.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Take out Five, ten seconds right now. I'll wait for you. Do it. Appreciate it. That really helps us out. Whenever you guys give us that five-star rating, give us a little review. We appreciate you guys doing that. And uh, follow us on our YouTube channel. You can see our interviews with the players, coaches. Uh, we do all our kind of breakout videos up on our YouTube channel as well. So if you uh, just sit there at night, YouTube in a way, vegging out like I do, you can go check us out on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell. Hit the like button on all those videos. Appreciate all your guys' support. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.